Hi, and thank you for tuning in to the Fireside Church Podcast. Fireside is a new church on the North Shore of Massachusetts. Our mission is to love God, love others, and help others do the same. For more information, check us out at firesidechurch.org. to get right into our discussion this morning. And last week we talked about the promised plan, and this week I want to talk about the promise that was preserved. Because I believe that we live in a state where everybody's telling you that God's promises either don't exist or they're not for you. And that the enemy is real, the enemy is on attack, and he's attacking you, and he's attacking your faith and your belief, and he's trying to sway you to believe something that's not true. And so we're going to see in um, Isaiah, and we're going to see the kings of the enemy trying to attack the promise, but God's promise cannot be broken. I don't know about you, but... I am sometimes not the best at keeping my promises. If you ask my wife what time you're going to be home, and I'll say, hey, I'm going to be home at this time. And then I said, I promise. You know, I, I have a way of getting caught up in the moment. If you know me, that's kind of how, what I do. And so, you know, Kate tracks me on my phone now because she knows, like, now I know you're not in a ditch. You're probably talking to somebody. And, and so that's good. So when I say, okay, I promise I'll be home by 5 o'clock for dinner, and then at 6 o'clock she'll say, what happened? And I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry I had to break my promise. But, and I always have some excuse, right? You know, I, I saved an old lady, and there's a cat in a tree, and, you know, the news had a, you know, that happens almost every week. But what happens is as I break more promises, my trust also starts to diminish. Same with my kids. I don't know if you have little kids, you know what I'm talking about, bedtime is like negotiation time. Guys, it's time to go to bed. And this is what they all say. Dad, can you just let me finish my Lego set? Or Dad, can I have a snack just once? And then I promise, this is what they say. Even our three-year-old is saying, Dad, I promise. I'm like, you don't even know what that even means. I promise that after I finish this, after I do that, I'll go to bed. And so when, when I was, you know, years ago, I was like, okay, you promise. I'm a, uh, you know, you're a woman of your word. I'm a man of my word. Let's see what happens here. They finish it. Okay, time to go to bed. Okay, Dad, listen, here's the deal. I promise the next you know, I promise tomorrow. And then all of a sudden you start losing trust. And God is a God who keeps his promises. He does not break his promises. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. And this is uh, the angel talking to Joseph. And he says this, She will give birth to a son, she meaning Mary. And you, Joseph, are to give him the name Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. And then Matthew says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. And he's quoting Isaiah here when he says, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. If you have your, your, your phones, feel free to take notes. I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to think you're texting but feel free to take notes because I love this story. I think it speaks to who God is and him being a promise keeper. And my hope is for you that God speaks to you as he spoke to me this week because this is something I needed to know as we are in an unpredictable place with Ellie and just remembering that God is a promise keeper. So when does Isaiah say this? And why does he say this? And you're going to see that in the, when you first hear it, he's like, this makes no sense. And then we're going to unpack it. And then we'll close it. And so here's what's going on. Isaiah was a prophet. God would speak to men or women. And they would speak 
for uh, God. And this was before Jesus came, before the Holy Spirit was on the earth. And so Isaiah spoke for God. God would speak to Isaiah. And he was living during a time of Israel as a nation, a split nation, and there were kings. And Isaiah would speak to the kings. And if you were here in the fall, we talked about King David. King David was the second king of Israel. Then his son Solomon took over. Then after Solomon, Israel split. Then you had northern Israel, which took the name Israel, southern Israel, which was Judah. And Judah had two tribes, and that was where Jerusalem was. And that was the tribe in which Jesus, the descendant of David, would come through the line of Judah. And then you had northern Israel. And then you had Aram, which was now Syria. And then over here, and and let me do it this way, over here you had um, the Assyrians. And it was funny, as I was... uh, doing my sermon prep, I kept on saying the name Assyrians, and my Siri would just keep popping up. And, and it would say, we have found nothing on David's promise. I'm like, what is happening? So not Siri, Assyrians, okay? Assyrians, and so that's what's happening. And Ahaz is now the king of Judah. And Ahaz is the great, 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 great grandfather of David, 11 times removed from David. And David was given two promises while he was king. One was conditional and one was unconditional. The conditional promise was this in 1 Kings. If you do this, then the Lord will keep the promise he made to me. He told me, this is speaking to David, if your descendants live as they should and follow me faithfully with all their heart and soul, one of them will always sit on the throne of Israel. So if David's descendants follow the Lord, they will always remain on the throne of Israel. Conditional, because if they do not follow the Lord, then they are vulnerable to being removed from being on the throne. And we do see that later on when they go to Babylon. And then he gave them these unconditional promises. And you can see this in 2 Samuel, Isaiah, and Jeremiah. And what it says is your offspring, Jesus the Messiah, if you look at all three of them, will come from your offspring and his throne will endure forever. There is nothing that anybody can do to take away that promise that from you, David, from the line of David, will come the Messiah. That is an unconditional promise. And the enemy is going to do everything it can to try to make that promise not come true. So we got two promises here. And so now you have King Ahaz. And what we know about King Ahaz is that he was not a faithful king. And 2 Kings, unlike David, his father, he did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord his God. He walked in the ways of the kings of Israel and even sacrificed his son in the fire following the detestable ways for the nations the Lord had driven out. He offered sacrifice and burnt incense in the high places on the hilltops and under every spreading tree. He did the opposite from following God. He followed other gods to the point where he sacrificed his own son to other gods. And what he's doing is he's this little nation of Judah. And he's looking around at all these other successful nations, the Philistines, the Edomites, the Assyrians. And he's saying, what do they do for success that I'm not doing? And during this time, everybody was serving and worshiping a god or gods. And you think, well, that was back then. Everybody worshiped something. But today, everybody's worshiping something. The question is not, what do you, 
if you worship something, it's what do you worship? And people may not label the word God or gods to that, but what we do is the same thing that Ahaz does, is we look at other people and we look. Why are they so successful of however you would define success? Why are they so happy? Why are they so, uh, have so much riches? What are they doing that I'm not doing? And what we do is start to adapt and mimic some of the things that they're worshiping. So if it's work and we feel like that's successful, that's giving, then we'll start worshiping work. If it's relationships, we'll worship relationships. And we'll do the same thing that Ahaz does as he looks around and Ahaz, this little country that's being attacked, is starting to think, you know, I need to do what they're doing. And he starts to change and goes away from God and goes the way of the world. So the question is, who or what do you worship? And now we get to our text for today. Isaiah chapter 7. This is where Matthew quotes this prophecy. And we will unpack it, So, and, and I apologize for not pronouncing some of these names. But in verse 1, when Ahaz, son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, the king of Judah, king Razan of Aram, and Pekah, son of Remelah, king of Israel, marched up to fight against Jerusalem. But they could not overpower it. Now the house of David was told Aram has allied itself with Ephraim's. So the hearts of Ahaz and his people were shaken. As the trees of the forest are shaken by the wind, then the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out, you and your son, share Jisub, to meet Ahaz at the end of the aqueduct of the upper pool on the road to the lander's field. Say to him, Be careful, keep calm, and don't be afraid. Do not lose heart because of these two smoldering stubs of firewood, because the fierce anger of Raisin and Aram and of the son Remlah. Aram and Ephraim and Remlah's son have plotted your ruin, saying, Let us invade Judah. Let us tear it apart and divide it among ourselves and make the son of Tabeel king over it. Yet this is what the sovereign Lord says. It will not take place. It will not happen. For the head of Aram is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is only raisin. Within 65 years, Ephraim will too be shattered to be a people. The head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is only Remlah's son. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to test. Then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David. David, it is not enough to try the patience of humans. Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. How is that connected to Christmas? So here you have Ahaz, and he is in a load of trouble. Ahaz has the Philistines and the Edomites to his uh, south. Then he's got these two nations. Southern, northern Israel, King Pekah and King Razan of, of Syria, they plot together and they say, let's align ourselves together and let's go and let's take the throne away from Ahaz and put on our own king as a puppet. And then the three of us can either defend or attack Assyria because Assyria is gathering a lot of strength. So do you guys understand the context? So that's what's happening. So what Ahaz does, and we see this in, in other accounts of the Bible in 2 Kings, Ahaz 
finds out that they're coming to attack him. And what he does is he goes into the temple of the Lord. He takes the treasures, the gold, all the things that were meant to be to God, steals them from the temple, gives them to the Assyrians, the king of Assyria, and pays for protection. Totally going against what God would want him to do. And he doesn't know if Assyria is going to take the money and protect him or what he's going to do, but he's desperate. And he's thinking, I'm going to handle this the way I know how to handle this. I don't need the Lord. I don't need faith. I'm just going to take what's God's, give to the world for protection, and just so I can see another day. And he goes to the aqueduct to get ready for war because he's not sure. This is before we had text messaging and all this. So he doesn't know if Assyria is going to come and protect him. And Jerusalem is a fortified city, but their water supply was outside of the city. And in war times, what one of the war tactics would be is if you're going to attack a city, you starve them out. So you just make sure there's no food in and out, and then you also make sure there's no water in and out. And so he's going to the, the water supply to fortify it, to make sure that it's ready for battle, to protect it. And so he's doing what a good king should do, getting ready for battle, and he's overseeing the preparations. And here comes Isaiah, the God-man. Have you ever felt like you knew you're doing something well, and then someone you know that's pretty faithful comes up, and you're like, oh, I don't want to hear this. Here we go again. He's going to probably quote some kind of scripture at me and tell me what I'm doing is wrong. And Isaiah kind of comes up, and I, I imagine him saying, hey, Ahaz, what you doing? And he knows that he's already gone to Assyria, and he knows that he's not putting his faith in the Lord. And I love that quote in verse 9. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. I feel like that statement just means a mic drop that, that, that just so true that I see this all the time especially in the hospital when we're with people you can kind of tell people who have a faith and don't it's kind of based on like if they're standing or not you know people you know who don't have faith they just get so angry at the world they get angry at the medicine and they just don't know what to do with each other and they're just so sad but I love this idea if you do not stand firm in your faith alone you will not stand at all and so he goes, and he says, Ahaz, this is not going to happen. They're not going to conquer you. This is not going to happen. Ask the Lord for a sign. And Ahaz, being a good you know, Jewish leader, even though he doesn't believe in the scriptures, he knows the scriptures, and so he's like, you know what? He kind of gives a Sunday school answer. Ah, I don't want to put the Lord to the test. And almost like this way of like, you know, God, man, Isaiah, get out of here. I mean, I, 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 I hear what you're saying, but, you know, I don't want to put the Lord to the test. Basically, you know, just kind of like pushing him off. And then Isaiah says, now here, now, I'm going to give you a sign. And then he says, the virgin will give birth to a son, and his name will be called Emmanuel. And how is that a sign that is supposed to encourage Ahaz? I don't know about you, but if I was Ahaz, and I was feeling like I was being attacked, and maybe you guys are feeling like Ahaz, and you're feeling like you're being attacked on all sides, the sign that I would want would be like, can you throw me some lightning bolts from heaven? Or maybe like Moses, like when, when Moses got assigned, the Red Sea parted and then engulfed his enemy, the Egyptians. Noah, a flood came, you know, and Elijah, fire came raining down. These are signs that I want. And I want them big, I want them powerful, and I want them now. 
Don't you ever pray to God like that? God, give me a sign. And the sign that you're looking for is something huge. I want to wake up the next morning and whatever I prayed for, everything's going to be fine. Get a call from my boss. Hey, I don't know why, but we just gave you a double raise this year. That's the sign I want. Right? But instead, he gives him a sign that reminds him of the promises of his great-great-great-grandfather David. And he's saying, if you are faithful... You will not fall. He's reminding him of the conditional and the unconditional promise. That no king, because they want to take you out of the, the kingdom. And they will not be able to do that if you are faithful. And he's reminding him of the promise. And God does not break promises. God is a promise keeper. And the promises that God has for you, the promise of the Messiah coming has come. He is not one to break promises. And the question is, are you standing on faith alone? Because if you're not, you're not standing at all. Years ago, in the very um, middle of Ellie's peak treatment, we were in the ICU and we weren't sure which way she was going to go. And I decided to read all of Psalms and most of the New Testament during that time, just trying to rely and stand on faith in an unknown world. And here are the things that I felt like God was speaking to me during that time. And here are these promises that God has for us today that I hope can encourage you as well. Call on me and I will answer you. I will be with you and will deliver you from these troubling times, Psalm 91. I will never abandon you. I will calm you. Believe in me and you will have eternal life. God will meet all my needs. God will work everything for his good. God will take away our anxiety and give us peace. That these promises are for us to take. If you will accept them, if you will believe in them, they are yours. And God doesn't break your prom promises. God doesn't say, hey God, I gave you my anxiety, but you're not taking it away. Do you have trust that God is a promise keeper? Do you believe that God hears your prayers? Do you believe that God is with you, will never leave you, never forsake you. Do you believe that Jesus came for you? That promise is for all who will accept it. But I believe that we have a hard time believing that they're true. And we fast forward to Ahaz's son, Hezekiah, who takes on the throne after him. And Hezekiah was different. Just to wrap up what happened with Ahaz, the Assyrians did come. They did take out Assyria. They did take out eventually northern Israel. They did exactly what he wanted. But guess what? Now they're more powerful. And who do you think they're going after next? Now the Assyrians have their eyes on Judah. And Ahaz is long gone, and his son is king, Hezekiah. And Hezekiah, in 2 Chronicles, we know he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David had done. He was faithful. He followed the Lord. Therefore, the promise, if you follow the Lord, no one can take you out of the throne, applies to him. And we'll see just that. There is an archaeological finding in the 1800s called the Taylor Prism. 
I get kind of nerdy about this stuff because I think it's so cool when, you know, history and archaeologists and historians all agree with the Bible or things kind of support what the Bible says. And it has all the chronicles of King uh, of Assyria and all their, you know, victories. And it talks about how they went into Syria, how they went into uh, northern Israel. And then it's talked about how they attacked Judah. And it says that they, they took over one of the other big cities in Judah, Lachish, but they never were able to take Jerusalem. It says, and I quote, it says that he, the king of Assyria, caged Hezekiah up like a caged bird. But to any historian, they don't understand why this massive army of 185,000 soldiers could not take this little city of Jerusalem because Jerusalem and Judah kept on growing for years after that. Assyria never took them over, and nobody has an answer to it. They know that they never did because this is what the findings say, but the Bible, we know exactly what happened. And this is what happened. They heard of what was happening in the other city. And so the Assyrian king comes and he says, hey, guess what, Hezekiah, you're next. And I'm bringing my army and I am gonna take you out. And Hezekiah goes and what does he do? He prays. He goes, he tears his clothes, he gets on his knees and he stands on his faith alone and he prays to God. And Isaiah comes and says, guess what I'm going to do? This is what God's going to do. God's going to give him like some news that someone else is attacking him. And eventually he's going to fall. And so Hezekiah tells his men to stand firm while they're severely outnumbered. And here's what the enemy says to him. In 2 Kings 19, this is what the message came to King Isaiah. This message is for King Hezekiah of Judah. As they're surrounding the city, as they're about to siege it, after, I mean, these guys are bad dudes. Not only would they conquer cities, they would make a, a, a mockery out of them. They would just do awful things to the people they captured. They were just people you did not want to mess with. And when you see the story of what they did at Lachish, you did not want anything to do with them because they just would torture and do all these things. And now they're coming for Jerusalem, and he says this, don't let your God in whom you trust deceive you with the promises that Jerusalem will not be captured by the king of Assyria. And so here are all these, you know, men on the, the wall, you know, they're just severely outnumbered, and they see the king come out to them saying, hey, guess what? Your king is telling you false promises, He's saying that your God will save you. And I just want to let you know, if you look around, see my army, and don't let him deceive you, that his promises are not real. And I believe that this is the same thing that I struggle with all the time. If you're going through something and you're feeling like you're being attacked, or just in life, the enemy is trying to tell you the promises that God has for you, the promise of the Messiah is not true. It doesn't make sense. It's not for you. What you need to do is you need to do what these other people are doing that are successful and you need to worship their gods and you need to be successful. You need to, be, you need to try to do all these things and put your life into it because God's promises it doesn't apply and it is a false promise. And this is the goal of the enemy. Because he knows that when you accept God's promises of the Messiah that you receive eternal life. Because God is so much more powerful than Satan. 
And so when you feel like you're being attacked and when you feel like someone's saying, guess what? Don't let God deceive you. These promises aren't true. You're going to be overtaken. Your anxiety is going to get the best of you. Your health is going to destroy you. These relationships that are broken, they're never going to mend. Your job, that's never going to change. It's going to get worse. Don't believe the promises of God. Don't call on him. They're fake. They're false. (laughs) Now, what you need to do is this, and you need to find another relationship. You need to backstab this person. You, You need to worship money. You need to, whatever it may be, and you get this in your head, right? And you start doubting, God, do you really hear me? God, are you really for me? God, do you even exist? God, did Jesus really the Messiah? Is he the savior of our world? I was thinking during that last song, kind of getting a little emotional, that Jesus died, that we could spend eternity with him. And that all the suffering in this world is going to be over with, and we're going to be in perfect peace with him, our father. Man, that's a promise that I can't wait, that I love. And this is what God does. That night, Hezekiah woke up. 185,000 Assyrians lay dead. They don't know why. You look at some of the Egyptian texts, they say maybe they, they equate it to like a mouse bubonic plague of some sort, which could be the case. And they ran away. And then soon after that, the king of Assyria was assassinated by his sons. If you're Hezekiah and you believe God doesn't break promises and I'm looking out and I'm severely outnumbered, but God said if I'm faithful, then no one can take me out of the throne, that the Messiah is coming through David, so I'm going to see, I'm going to make sure I believe in that promise, and then you go out and you see 185,000 of your enemies dead, slain, retreating, when you just have a handful of guys trying to fortify a little city, now what does that do for your faith? And my hope is that we will open our eyes to see a God who doesn't break promises. As the band comes up here, I just want to close with that because the question for you is will you be like Ahaz or will you be like Hezekiah? Will you stand alone in your faith and hence standing or will you not stand alone because you're believing the promises of the world or people telling you that these promises aren't for you? See, God is a promise keeper. There is nothing the enemy can do to take that away. So if you're, I can't tell you that everything's going to go the way you want it to go. Everything's going to go the way you think it should go. But what I can say is that God's promise of the Messiah is for you. And the question is, will you receive it? Will you believe these promises that he hears you, that he's with you, that he's there, that Jesus came to save not just the world, but to save you personally from your sins so you can be in heaven with him eternally because he does not break. He's not like my daughters who are just trying to renegotiate, renegotiate. No, he's a promise keeper and he's, his promises are good and his pr- promises, even though they're attacked, they are preserved because there's nothing the enemy can do to take away those promises. And so if you're feeling like all sides of my life are being attacked right now, I am outnumbered 185,000 to 1,000. God, where are you in this? Remember, Remember God's promise. 
And I can't tell you what that's going to look like. I wish sometimes I wake up and I want to see the sign that we talked about, lightning bolts. I want to see 185,000 men just slain. But what Isaiah said to Ahaz is that, you know, your promise is a long time. Your promise, just be faithful. Your promise is about to come. And you just got to keep it. And you got to live with the understanding that God is a promise keeper. And his promise is for you. So are you an Ahaz? Or you, Hezekiah, are you going to live and say, you know, I'm going to live for the Lord. I'm going to live faithfully. And I'm going to believe in these promises even when the enemy tells me not to. Or are you going to be like Ahaz? I'm going to start worshiping other gods because it's not working for me. These promises don't exist. I want to be a church that's filled with Hezekiahs. That we go boldly saying, I'm going to stand on faith alone. And I'm going to stand. I'm going to proclaim Jesus in the valleys and in the mountaintops because I know his promises are for me and he does not break his promises. Lord, thank you for being a promise keeper. Thank you for preserving your promise no matter what the enemy tells us, gives us these thoughts that, you know what, these aren't true. Christmas never happened. Jesus didn't come to save the world. I mean, how is that even possible? I don't want that promise because I don't believe in it. And Lord, let us just put our faith in you, Lord, because what you promised came and exists for us to receive, that these promises are for us, that because of your son, we can have eternal life, Lord, and I pray that everyone here will accept that promise, and in doing so, will inherit eternal life as well as abundant life, living with a new perspective that our life is not just about what we do on this earth, but it's our life is how we impact the kingdom and living with you forever. Thank you for being a promise keeper. Strengthen our faith in you, Lord, that when the enemy attacks, Lord, we can be reminded that there was a virgin who gave birth to a son, and his name was Emmanuel. God is with us. Thank you for reminding us that when we feel like we're being attacked and that we feel like we're being outnumbered, that you can remind us there was a virgin who gave birth to a son. His name is Emmanuel. God is with us. The Savior of the world has come. It has been done. He crushed Satan's head, even though he tries to strike his heel. Lord, that we can praise you today because you are are a promise keeper and there is nothing in this world that can take away your promises Lord nothing we love you and we praise you and it's in your name we pray amen